I'm Gary Bembridge, and this is Tips for Travellers, the global travel destination podcast. Each month, a new destination is featured with recommendation, advice, and tips based on the first-hand travel experience I gain from the two to three times a month I travel all over the world. You may also want to check out the Tips for Travellers video podcast, a sister podcast which features videos I've made of hotel rooms or attractions with commentary and recommendations linked to the destination featured each month in this audio podcast. To find out more, visit tipsfortravellers.com. For travellers is spelt with two L's, the UK way, or email me at gary at mytravelreviews.co.uk. You can subscribe to one or both of the podcasts by searching for Tips for Travellers or Gary Bembridge on iTunes or your favourite podcast directory. On the podcast today, we're going to revisit Cape Town and look at five more great and amazing things to do there. It's probably no secret if you read my blog or you follow the podcast series that Cape Town in South Africa, for me, is one of the most fabulous places in the world to visit. It's a mixture of unique and breathtaking scenery, it's trendy, it's fun, it has great food and great entertainment. There's so much to do, some cultural, some indulgent, and there's also a lot of relaxing. As there's so much to do in my one podcast, which was podcast number 54, I kind of focus on the top 10 things to do in Cape Town. And now what I'm going to do today is five more great and amazing things that you can do in Cape Town. So as I said, the first podcast really was if you're going on a first trip, but here's five things if you have more time or if you're trying to convince yourself that you just need to go to Cape Town again. So let's have a look at them and they're in no particular order because they're all great. The first is Bloberg Strand for that iconic view of Table Mountain. Now when you see pictures of Cape Town. It's usually a picture that shows all of the iconic Table Mountain from a distance and you have a big long stretch of deep blue sea lying in front of it. Now this is a view I had never seen despite actually having been to Cape Town quite a few times because the actual city is right at the foot of the mountains. And so I decided that on the particular trip that I'm talking about we decided we should correct this and get a few of those trophy shots of Cape Town for myself. Now, the place that you see the views from is a small town and a growing area of developments that's called Bloberg Strand. The town is about 25 kilometers, so it's actually about 30 minutes drive from the main part of Cape Town. You drive past the harbor, you drive around the bay, and then you enter a series of seaside holiday resorts where Bloberg Strand is probably the main one. It's packed full of new developments and seems to be growing very fast with you know, new developments kind of behind these big, large and rather imposing walls. It's hard to figure out how many of them are full-time homes or if they're holiday lets, but there certainly is an awful lot of them. The beach has large rocks and has waves crashing over them, so you you have not only amazing views, but you have this kind of tempestuous sea in front of you. So you look across to the city and you look over to Robben Island. The views really are worth a trip, and a stroll on the beach with the views is impressive. Along one stretch of the beach to the west of the town, there's an area where there are people kite gliding, for example. It's becoming very popular. I think it's a relatively inexpensive place to take families. And so it seems to be very family focused. And of course, water sports um, are very popular here. We spent probably an hour or so checking out the views, soaking it in. The sea, of course, is really cold. So, of course, you don't uh, spend any time swimming. Uh, On the actual blog, Tips for Travellers, there is a video of the Bloberg Strand area. So that's Bloberg Strand. The second big tip 
and it's a very important one, is the Chapman Peak Drive. The Chapman Peak Drive has the most incredible and stunning views. And it definitely is one of the most spectacular things to do. You can take a drive or a tour along this uh, drive and take some time, take your camera and take some food to stop along the way and soak it all in. There's lots of different places to stop. The Chapman's Peak Drive, it's a road that was started in 1915, so during the First World War, and was based on a master plan by the first administrator of the Cape, Sir Frederick de Waal. It was finally opened only in 1922, and it runs from Hout Bay to Nurtuk, and it's basically a shortcut from Cape Town to the South Peninsula of the Cape. It's a remarkable drive that runs along the side of the mountains and the Atlantic Ocean. It spirals and turns its way around the mountain, where some of the road is actually even blasted into the side of the hills. It's nine kilometers long and has 114 curves and turns. So it's something that you take at a leisurely place. place. Along the way, there's stops, there's picnic spots, and they're clinging, clinging to the side of the road. And you get the most stunning views across Hout Bay, in winter, there's a very, this is a very popular spot for whale spotting as they come right into the bay during their migration. The road was actually closed for three years from 2000 to 2003 following a whole lot of rock falls and was finally reopened as a toll road and is managed by a company that uses those funds to keep the road safe uh, as it still is vulnerable for rock falls. And you'll find on certain times it is actually closed for that reason. Along the route, you will see these huge nets and various devices built uh, up into the mountains and the slopes to stop the rock falls. But you are warned constantly that you're taking the road at your own risk. The toll is about 30 rand, which is about three pounds, so it's at about five US dollars. Now, on the weekends, the road is very busy with visitors and tour buses, as well as actually a huge amount of cyclists and runners. Now, I think you have to be pretty fit and probably a little bit mad as the, they're huge hills, they're huge slopes, and they take a lot of effort. But uh, it, it, it really is quite spectacular. So take it easy, stop at the many rest stops. Um, it, it, there's a very important stop at the top, as there's an incredible viewing platform, stunning views to Hout Bay and across to the Atlantic. Now, I've done this drive many, many times, and I can't stress enough just how amazing it is and definitely worth doing. Again, on the blog at tipsfortravelers.com, if you search uh, Cape Town or, or uh, you know, the, the, the Chapman Peak Drive, you'll also find a video of that. My third tip is probably slightly unusual, which is the Sandy Bay nudist beach. Now, you're going to have to be fairly determined if you want to visit Sandy Bay, which is a nudist beach just outside Cape Town. But if you are a nudist looking for a stunning spot to hang out and determined... It's a very good spot to visit. Why determined? Well, it's, it's about a 30-minute drive out of the city to start with, near Landudno town. But then what you need to do is you have to find your way down to a small car park, and then there's a good 20-minute walk across a path and rocks to get to the actual beach. Now, you know when you get to the car park, because there's a sign saying, no nudity on the path, and it's basically at the bottom of a very curvy, swervy sort of set of roads. So there's a sign saying, no nudity on the path, and you'll see a lot of people weighed down with rucksacks and hold alls heading off down the path. It's amazing quite how much stuff you need to take with you for a full day of nudity, was my observation. Now, it actually makes sense, because once you get to the beach, there's very little shade. There's no one selling lounges to sit on. There's no food and drink uh, vendors. There's just a large, white, sandy beach, hence the name Sandy Bay. The beach itself is fantastic. 
as is the whole area. It's a large, fine white sand beach with the Twelve Apostle Mountains behind it. Then there's large outcrops of rocks that jut into the sea that you can clamber over. Now, the beach attracts a very diverse group of people. There's a large contingent of gay men. At the very far end of the beach, it tends to be more gay, while closer to the end of the path, it's more mixed couples, groups, etc. Although we didn't see any on the day we visited, some people, mostly women, have complained about men hiding the bushes and spying on them, but we actually found the attitude relaxed, unobtrusive, assuming that you find all shapes hanging about in the nude comfortable. The area around Sandy Bay is underdeveloped and it's wild, so it feels unspoiled and remote. The sea is a stunning dark blue and green, but of course it's very cold. It actually feels colder than the sea close to Cape Town, like Clifton Beach. It's really, really cold. Sandy Bay is probably not for the casual day tripper, as, as I said, it's quite a trek to get to and find which is probably why it's been successful as a nudist beach, uh, because, you know, you, you pretty have to be determined and you won't stumble across it by accident. However, my tip number four is if you're looking for a slightly more sensible approach to the beach, Clifton Beach is the place to go. It's beautiful scenery and very beautiful people. It's probably the most popular beach set in Cape Town, and it's definitely one of the most stunning ones. The beach or in reality, there's actually four of them connected together, is in one of the more expensive areas of Cape Town. And there are very expensive apartment blocks and huge houses that rise up from the beach right up the slopes of the mountain that run right along the coast. The premium in the area, of course, is due to the views out across the beach of the sea. The Clifton area itself is after Sea Point and Bantry Bay as you head out of Cape Town, the centre of Cape Town. It's very, but it's just before the very busy and the very buzzy Camps Bay area, which is very popular both with locals and with tourists. Now, Clifton is popular not only because it's so beautiful with dazzling white soft sands, but also because even in the windy midsummer months, it's very sheltered from the winds. Now, the sea, because it's the Atlantic again, is very cold, so you have to be very brave to venture into it. But it's very inviting in colour and look, so it's probably worth giving it a go. Now, you need to get to the area early, as there's very limited parking along the roads above the beach. Then once you're there... You need to walk down steps after steps after steps down cliffs above the beach. They're very steep and they wind their way around the small but stylish beach houses that are clinging to the slopes. Now, you do need to be fairly fit as on the way up after down the beach, they feel even steeper and longer. There are four beaches that make up Clifton. The fourth beach is the most popular and where there is changing rooms, there's lifeguards, unlike the other beaches. It's also where families and people posing and want to be seen go. It's also probably the biggest of the beaches. Next is Clifton Beach uh, 3, which is the one that's most popular uh, with sort of gay men, younger people, not exclusively though, but it's slightly more uh, gay and trendy. Then the second beach is becoming more popular uh, which, again, is a very long beach. And then the first is always the quietest of all of them. It's the furthest away from the kind of the car parks. And the beaches are split by boulders that jut out to the sea. That's roughly how you can tell whether you're at beach one, two, three, or four. Now, on the second, third, and fourth beach, there are people who rent out beds and umbrellas. But if you're going there a lot, it's probably worth bringing your own because to hire two beds and an umbrella costs about 100 rand a day, which is about 10 pounds, about $15 then all day you've got vendors come around setting soft drinks and ice creams. Now, the view on the beach and from the beach is great, both out to sea on the beach, as there's very many beautiful people, and then up to the Cliffs and Mountains. It's really, really recommended. A visit to uh, Clifton Beach is highly recommended. My fifth tip is District 6 Museum, 
which is an eye-opening view of the past. Now, I mentioned in one of my top 10 tips is that you must go to Robben Island, which is where, of course, people like Nelson Mandela were incarcerated for up to 20, 25 years. But District 6 Museum is, again, well worth visiting, and it gives you a big insight into the apartheid um, time in South Africa. District 6 is about the forced removal of around 60,000 non-white people from the area of Cape Town, which was called District 6, into the more remote and desolate Cape Flats during the South African apartheid era. It came to be one of the sort of symbols of injustices of that time. What had happened is the area had been reclassified as a white area in 1966, despite generations having of, of non-white people living there. And the homes of those who were moved were bulldozed down. The museum was established in one of the few remaining buildings, which was actually an old place of worship, in 1994 as the apartheid era came to an end, both to commemorate, but also to work to get compensation and the right to reclaim back the land that was lost by the evicted residents. The museum itself is a very popular place for tourists, as well as visiting dignitaries, because it's kind of quite central in, in Cape Town, and it's, so it's very easy and accessible. Now, the museum consists of various documents, personal records, posters, and other memorabilia from past residents. It's unexpected, and it's very colourful and vibrant inside. It's more of an experience and, and a symbol than a traditional museum. Personally, I think it would have benefited if they'd explained more of the history and background, because if you don't know a lot about the apartheid era, era it's probably not that clear. www.district6.co.za and the museum's at uh, 25A Bootenkamp Street in the Cape Town city centre. So those are my five extra things to do in Cape Town if you have more time or you're there on a second visit. Don't forget you can listen to podcast number 54 if you want to get the first big 10 tips. And that's all I've got for on this edition of Tips for Travellers. And don't forget, please visit the site and more details in the closing credits. So until then, happy travels. You've been listening to Tips for Travellers, the global travel destination podcast. A new destination with first-hand based advice, recommendations and tips is added each month. If you subscribe to the podcast, thanks for your support. If you don't, you may want to consider subscribing by searching Tips for Travellers or Gary Beveridge on iTunes or your favourite podcast directory. You can then subscribe to the Tips for Travellers Global Travel Destination audio podcast or the video podcast with hotel rooms and attractions. To find out more, visit tipsfortravellers.com, where travellers is spelled the UK way with two L's, or email me at gary at mytravelreviews.co.uk.